0: Monthly, we check in with the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance for the latest on local economic development efforts. And It's been great to be able to bring our next guest back into studio after a long layoff because of the pandemic, but always good to see Ryan McCrady face-to-face. And Ryan, welcome back to the program. Great to
1: have you here. Great. Thanks for having me on, Jim. I appreciate it. Well, we want to start off with uh,
0: yeah. one of the big moves right now, potential for uh, a huge positive impact on the local economy, the tourism economy in particular, mm-hmm. uh, but we are headed to our showdown vote tomorrow night at the Springfield City Council, and there is still some resistance to this legacy point sports complex and what it would take to make this a reality where does the springfield Sangamon and growth alliance stand on this project
1: so, the Growth Alliance is a very strong supporter of the Legacy Sports uh, Complex, Legacy Park Sports Complex, and we are for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, this will be a tremendous quality of life asset that our community will be able to use. Our young people will be able, and our athletes will be able to compete on that uh, during the week when they're not hosting tournaments. So, that's a great benefit for them. Also, we know that uh, the development of the sports complex will bring in about $30 million a year in spending. From individuals more than 90 miles away from our community. Now, that won't happen all at the sports complex. That's going to support all the businesses all around the entire community, too. All that new infusion of money and spending in here is what actually generates the tax revenues that the developer will share with the city to help pay for the complex. We've been down
0: this road before, at least partially. There have sure. been other proposals for similar sorts of complexes, including in that same location, that really then fell apart before they came to fruition. And one sure. of the concerns about this is because they want to do this in phases, building the outdoor fields first, and then a couple of years down the road, yeah. building the indoor facilities for basketball, et cetera. Uh, fears that the the financing might not be there, that the, um, uh, the response might not be what it is. Uh, there's other communities that either are or could potentially do something similar that could uh, divert some of that business away. So, why should people be confident that this is the real deal when we've heard ideas like this before that never actually came true?
1: Well, I guess, you know, when you're an economic developer like I am, there are a lot of things and concepts that move forward that don't actually happen at the end of the day. But we try to run as fast as we can and as far as we can with any good business opportunity for the community, knowing that when a final decision is made, something still could happen. But that should not prevent us from trying to get something really good like the sports complex. The phasing discussion is one that a lot of folks are focused on. But the reason it's important to construct it in phases is because if you try to construct the entire sports complex at once, you miss the opportunity to start the outdoor section and get it running generating revenue and tax revenue while you then build the indoor section. Also, building the outdoor section is very dependent on the weather as you can imagine. When you start talking about stretching the artificial turf, other things they have to do, there's only certain times of the year, certain weather conditions that allow that to happen. So if we can get if they can get to work on the outdoor phase and get it going, frankly, the outdoor portion of a sports complex is 70% of the economic impact. Because if you think about the size of the teams that compete in those areas, there's a lot more people on a baseball or a softball or a soccer team than there is on, you know, five people start on a basketball team. So it generates more economic impact that way. So the whole phasing concept is more to do with the actual construction schedules and a lot of other things. But I do feel this time, also, having Shields there located nearby, that's a big difference in this in this equation. Their uh, commitment to extend their lease, if the sports complex is built, helps preserve their presence here. Shields is a big draw around the region. So there are a lot of things that are in place now that probably weren't in place before. And I believe all those things make a big difference in moving it forward.
0: One of the other you know, big things that keep coming up in the conversation is the level of the city's financial commitment and using mm-hmm. uh, sales taxes, using home- hotel-motel tax, a portion of the property tax over there, uh, all to help pay for this. That's a pretty big investment. And if this is such a a good idea and it's going to generate such a response – uh, does it require that level of investment of
1: public funds to make it happen? It does. And that's a really good question, Jim. So we have to look at this. This is much different than a typical economic development project where you're trying to attract a factory or a restaurant or a strip mall or something like that. It's a lot different because 99% of these sports complexes are paid for 100% by local government. Principal Interest, all the construction costs are paid by the entire local government. Good example is Rantoul, Illinois. Their facility is all paid for by the local government. Sandusky, Ohio, the county paid about 99% of that. And so the reason is because the sports complex itself, the physical complex itself, is only marginally profitable. And what really helps the city make money off a of sports complex is all the spending that happens due to the traffic that comes to the sports complex. So in those other cases, the city pays 100% of the cost, they bear 100% of the risk of the operations, and then they reap the sales tax reward or hotel tax reward that comes afterwards. In Springfield, the opportunity here is the city has 0% risk because they only share half of the additional tax revenue that comes in, and so they have zero risk, and they share 50% of the reward, and they have 50% of the cost. So, in the whole scheme of things, other cities are going to be envious of this, because the entire tax base is not at risk of this operation not generating a profit. And that's a big advantage, because they only pay if it's successful and if it generates more tax revenue. If it doesn't, the city's not on the hook for anything. So, the risk is completely on the developer.
0: Do you have a sense that the votes are there tomorrow night for this?
1: I don't know. I, I try not to count votes. Um, uh, the work that we do at the Growth Alliance is I simply try to be a conduit to help provide information. I try to answer aldermen's or uh, council members' questions as much as I can. I uh, try to be an intermediary between them and the developer. But I, I don't want to be, uh, in the sense, a lobbyist where I'm pushing someone to vote a certain way. I want to provide all the information so they can be comfortable with how they vote. Uh, but uh, hopefully we've done that, and I'm sure there will be more questions tomorrow night.
0: Ryan McCray here, Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance, and uh, your very busy day includes not only your stop here, but also a trip <laughs> this evening uh, before the Springfield School Board to talk to them about a partnership with District 186. What does that entail, and how does a, a school mm-hmm. district partnership factor into economic development?
1: Well, you know, many people are surprised at how closely economic developers and school districts should work together. The good news is, is that relationship already existed when I came here. It's really important from the economic development standpoint that we. Have a well trained, educated workforce. The other thing to think about from a business retention standpoint is if you think about this like a supply chain, the school district presents a product or d- develops a product that then's consumed by the business community. And that's knowledge and talent of young workers. And so, you want to make sure that the producer of the product and the consumer of the product are communicating frequently to make sure they're both getting what they need and want out of the process. So the school district being involved, being at the table in economic development, community development is very important to develop those collaborations and conversations that are going on to develop some of the things like you've already seen here with pipeline programs, career programs, all the things that exist there. Because we have a lot of students in District 186. Some of them will go to college. Some of them have career aspirations that maybe don't require a four-year college. Maybe they require some other type of training. But the more we can expose our students to careers in Springfield, the more of them that we'll keep here eventually, and we'll stop exporting talent out of our community, and we'll keep that talent right here.
0: The very first talk show I did on this station 25 years ago, on day one, one of the topics we discussed was about the school district, the quality of education, what I felt was a a bad rap even back then for District 186. That was before I even had school-age children. Uh, Now both my children are teachers in the district, so we've come a long way here. But you still hear some of that of people really skeptical of uh, what District 186 is producing. From an economic development standpoint and from what you Mm -hmm. know business, is need that want to grow and expand and, and maybe relocate here, uh, is the district churning out quality, gra- I, don't, I don't mean churning in a bad way, but is it producing yeah. quality graduates, people who are ready to seize the opportunities that a 21st century economy
1: provides? I feel like they're doing a good job. And uh, the business community that I've spoken to feels like they have a good relationship with the school district, too. So that's good news, that they feel like they're working well together. The question is, can it be better? And I think anything can get better. Uh, with, without a doubt. But I believe the door is open on both sides. And so a great collaboration with them is, is really important going forward. And I will tell you, if I'm looking to attract a business here and I can bring that business to town and introduce them to Superintendent Gill and say, this is my partner and helping you make sure that we have great workers for you today and going forward. That is gonna help set us ahead of our competition, other communities trying to land that business. So this relationship is really important, Really important. but the great news is, is that already exists there. I just wanna to continue to build that.
0: School board meeting starts tonight around 6.30. You right. can attend in person or it's also available on the District 186 YouTube channel and on mm-hmm. their uh, cable channel in Springfield as well, so you sure. can hear more of Ryan's presentation to the school board tonight. Ryan, wanna to turn our attention now to downtown Springfield, mm-hmm. uh, we know that there's been a bit of a shakeup there. The executive director of DSI, Lisa Clementson, and now she is leaving at the end of the month, and uh, a little bit of turmoil recently in terms of the uh, what they've called the Adams Family uh, Patio downtown, and whether sure. or not they'd be allowed to uh, keep that section of Adams Street closed on the weekends. First, the city said yes, then the city said no. Some real frustration there. What does all this mean to you in terms of the direction of downtown, where it's headed, and how important will downtown be in ongoing economic development efforts?
1: Well, I, had a great, uh, I have a great working relationship with Lisa. Uh, I have a lot of respect for her. I know it's a very difficult job. Uh, downtowns are, are unique because they have a very concentrated mix of retail, restaurant, entertainment, office, and residential. And so, if you think about a downtown and you think about one of those buildings and how they're stacked up, all those individuals have different things that are important to them. So, it's a difficult process to, to manage. Um, sometimes, uh, you have varying opinions on things. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really important from an economic development standpoint that we have a vibrant, that we have a thriving downtown Springfield. Uh, if you look at any community, what we'd all say, that's a great community. There are certain pieces of the puzzle each of them have, and all of them have a great downtown, a great central business district. So, it really is important that we find a way to work with uh, the city of Springfield and with downtown Springfield Inc. to make that happen. Um, I have a little bit of a passion for downtown redevelopment, having overseeing a large redevelopment project during my term as city manager in Decatur. Doesn't mean I know how to do it everywhere. It just means that I have a passion for it. Uh, so, I, I can see the benefit of it. I've seen it firsthand. And so, it is an important item that we want to make sure we we have a thriving downtown Springfield.
0: And are we poised to have one, or are we a long ways away from having what you would call a thriving downtown?
1: Well, I think the pandemic has uh, created conversations about things that, I mean, for all the things the pandemic was bad about, it, it did get people to be willing to have a conversation they wouldn't have had otherwise. And when you saw the city do things like change the parking to free parking and timed parking, you know, those conversations, when you saw the city roll out and allow what I call parklets, So, you know, shutting down different lanes of traffic downtown to allow people to have outdoor dining, those types of things. What that's done, I think, is open people's eyes to saying, okay, so how do we do this permanently? This was a success uh, during the pandemic. Is this something that we should invest in or should we make some renovations downtown to allow those kind of activities? So I'm optimistic because... I saw those conversations happen during the pandemic, and I see them continuing going forward. And I believe those are the conversations that are going to help downtown move to the next level.
0: Finally, before we let you go, I want to get an update on the Thrive mm-hmm. Ally program? Uh, as we've talked about before, I have signed up for it, not That's even right. realizing there was a T-shirt involved. <laughs> I'd have been even more eager to do so. Got my got my T-shirt today. No, That's right. I, but it, it's very cool. It's it's, it's good for people to have another way to kind of show their support for the community and to be able to, to talk about. And it's it's terrific. Go check out the uh, the website, and you can see a lot of the folks that have signed up as Thrive Allies and sure. what their areas of expertise are. Uh, uh, are are you getting any kind of uh traction with it so far and are yep. potential businesses actually reaching out to some of the allies to inquire more about life in Springfield
1: so the thrive ally program is getting a lot of attra- a lot of traction uh, we've we've got a i think we're up over 50 people that have signed up for it and provided a lot of good information about what they're willing to help people learn about the community we do know that the human resources departments around the community are using that website to direct potential uh, recruits and they're all the folks they're bringing with them, because rarely does anybody come by themselves or usually bring in a family or other folks with them, directing them to that site so they can learn about areas of interest. If you think about moving to a community, and maybe you're of a specific religious faith, and you want to connect with somebody, that's not something you want to talk to your employer about, right? Most people don't want to. But if you can get on the Thrive Ally program and say, oh, here's somebody that I can connect with that can help me get acclimated, that's the benefit of it. And we are getting ready to launch hopefully in the next month, some other tools that I think will blend into the Thrive Ally program, but it's gone well, and we love to have people sign up, and we have some training come up in the next few weeks, too, for those people that get signed up.
0: Really looking forward to that, and looking forward to hearing more about it, and about these new tools you'll be rolling out as well, and we'll be doing that in weeks to come here with yep. Ryan McCrady, who is the CEO of the Springfield Sangam and Growth Alliance. We always appreciate your time. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me on, Jim.